This is the MDRT Podcast. It can be challenging to establish trust and credibility with a prospect or new client that gets them to open up. During a Zoom conversation, Abigail Yabot, Manila, Philippines. Joseph Pan from Singapore. Who work largely with parents and couples, respectively, explained how they excel at developing new relationships with their clientele. I feel that the most effective way to fact find is, of course, to build trust first. It's important that you have already a relationship, even if it started as a cold market. I always believe that you try to find a commonality with the person that you're talking with. So you kind of become a stalker a little bit or maybe ask around about what their interests are, what they are into. Like, say, for example, me, I'm a mom and the other person is a mom as well. Or if you have common interests and hobbies, then that's what you can start talking about and then slowly build up on what exactly exactly it is that they already have or what exactly it is that they may be looking for or not looking for because they don't know yet. So it is very important at the beginning of the conversation, they know that you're not just going to do a sales pitch, but you are going to ask them exactly what they need first so that you'll be able to develop a product or you'll be able to offer them a proposition that fits whatever their needs are. I think what Abby said is very true. They need to have trust in us, right? But I'm very focused on the fact that if somebody trusts us, right, it's because of our character and our competence. So when I say character, what I mean is they know our values. So they know we are responsible people. They know we are passionate people and dedicated to our work. Right. But when I say uh, competence, what I mean is they know we can get a job done. Because if you like a person, but if the person can't do his job, he might not put money in his hands, right? But if the person can do his job, but, you know, you don't like that person and you wouldn't put money in their hands too, right? So I'm very conscious of the fact that trust is important, but in the shortest possible, most effective time, right, we've got to display our character and our competence at the same time. But it does help to have a questionnaire, very well-designed questionnaire. When you go in there, you ask very templated questions in, in a form of a non-interview. I mean, every time we meet a, a new person, right, it's sort of like an, an interview, right? To see whether they want to employ us. So, but you got to keep it really casual. So I guess the first thing we ask people is, so what do you do for a living? And then from there, so who do you have in your family? Oh, I see. Have you been doing this for a long time? Who do you have in your family? Oh, okay. And then, yeah, I just guess, guess I guess just kick on from there. Can you both give an example of how that plays out with your clients? whether you research in advance or not? I think more than ever now, in present times, we are so big on social media. Maybe the Philippines is a little bit bigger than the rest of the world because we are so much into all our social media accounts. And so usually what we do is, say, for example, when we have a prospect where somebody comments on a post that we have written and we touch base with them. So I don't usually offer insurance immediately. So what I do is I check on, like say if it's an old friend and I have not been in touch for a long time, I'd have to check on like where she is at right now. How many kids? Is she married? Where does she work, etc. So just so I have a background on what she really is like and then maybe look at the skew of her posts like what she if she usually posts her kids then I'd wear my mommy hat and talk about hey I see that you have kids your kids are the same age as mine where do they go to school 
and sort of bring her towards because me, I'm a parenting educator here as well. So I would bring that closer to one of the things that I do now as part of homeschooling is to teach them financial literacy. And so then spin off from there. So it's really important that I do not offer yet my products in the first conversation, maybe develop that kind of relationship first. And then um, slowly, gently, when she's more comfortable with me, because we have not been in touch for a while, then that's when I'd say, hey, you might be interested. This is something that I feel is useful for moms like us, because now you have a common interest, right? And I actually have some for my children as well. And it, it really works out well for my other clients who are almost in the same profile as we are. So that's how I usually get them to talking. And then that's when I more of like show them my proposal. And then instead of like pushing them to get it, I usually say, what do you think of this? What are the best parts of what I discussed with you? What do you think can we improve on? And then if it's something that I can work on immediately, I work on that. And then I proceed with, if it's something that you think is interesting, would it be helpful for you to assist you in getting something like this right now? So it really is not just a one meeting process for me. But um, it's really more of like a series of chats and messages before I even call them up for a meeting where I can do an actual presentation and show them exactly what I can offer for their needs. So, Abby, do you uh, focus on certain demographics or certain industries? Or do you usually do referrals or colder clients? Or what is your target market? I wonder have a large clientele for parents because I was in the industry of educating parents for a long time oh. started with insurance so I haven't really covered all of those but I don't want it mm. to be as if I was just offering and offering insurance to everybody so I do it very mm. gently and they appreciate that I have clients who I have touched base with about a year ago or two years back and maybe offered a little bit, but they were not yet as open. You see, the Philippines is not really, not as um, educated mm. as Singapore maybe or other parts of the world. And um, they would right. usually get because of your gentle approach, not because you're pushing it, but because you're just showing them step by step how it can help them. And eventually it builds up. So for me, what's important is that you're always top mm. of mind sometimes the most common mistakes of other financial advisors is that they do make a successful pitch, but the client's not yet ready. And then, you know, some months pass or some years roll by. And then the, by the time that they're ready, because they don't touch base anymore, then they're not top of mind. Mm. So they'll probably get it from the first person that even offers in the mall. So it's really important to ensure that you are always top of mind, not by always asking about, hey, are you going to get a product or not? So every now and then, we call it the ding-dong approach here, mm. you know, doorbell. So sometimes you talk about your company. Sometimes you share about your wins in this business, your achievements. And sometimes you just share news about finance or news about the world or news about whatever interest you have so that it doesn't feel like they're always being sold to. I think a lot of people in the Philippines or maybe other parts of the world as well wouldn't want to be just sold to. They just want to, you know, you 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 like a product, but then you can buy the product from so many people. So where do they buy the product? They want to buy the product mm -hmm. with the person that they like as well. So I think that's where it comes where you said you have to build that kind of credibility as well. 
Yeah, I asked you if you have a target market, right? Because I realized for myself that if you have a strategy about what kind of audience will turn up in front of you, right? It makes it easier because uh, you see, like for yourself, you see you're in the field about educating parents, right? So myself, I chose uh, for the past 10 over years, I chose to be involved in the wedding circuit, the getting married circuit. You know, the stage of life before parents, right? Before being parents. So I give seminars at wedding shows. I was on TV, I was on radio talking about how couples, right, when they get married, how they should work with each other to build the finances of, of the family. So, so the company, the vendors I work with, right, they, they are the ones organizing the wedding shows where people go there to look for, you know, the venue and the photography for the wedding. And when they come to the seminar, I've laid the ground. I've told them, okay, financial planning for couples, these are the things you need to do. And of course, I, I put in, a, uh, in one of my slides right, to say that, okay, you know what? It's important. The first thing you need to consider is you have to share one advisor. You know, you need an advocate for this marriage and the financial advisor should be the one, right? So from then, right, when finally they find out to say, hey, you know, why don't we do an exploration with Joseph, right, the speaker? They have really opened up. They have really opened up about, okay, we're here to do something. I better tell Joseph everything. Right. And of course, for those couples, I need in my presentations, right, I say, okay, if you're going to work with your spouse, you're going to be transparent with your assets. You know, there are a lot of men and women, they, they don't really want their spouses to know too much, right? Like some stash away money, right? But after the seminar, they're like, okay, since we're going to do this, might as well be open about everything. So fact-finding becomes a lot easier. I understand from Abby, right, yeah, when they have, they're in a similar life stage with you, it's easier also because, okay, you have kids, I have kids, or you have this hobby, I have this hobby, and I think that's a great way to connect with the person. And, and then on this side, right, is okay, I have strategized. My audience already have something similar. I'm already thinking about the same thing. So there's very little resistance on my side for these, uh, for these people from the seminar. Well, but aside from the seminar, what I do is I'm really an advocate for THFC, Chartered Financial Consultant. So when we go into an appointment, right, we sell an idea, right? The idea of the fact that you need to look at eight aspects of your finance. So insurance uh, is just one of the eight, right? So when we go there, we say, okay, you know what? The quality of my advice depends on the quality of the information you give me. So if I'm going to do a global risk management project for your finance, right? You got to tell me everything. So I invented a software. Right, we have 300 formulas working at the same time. So I tell the person, if you tell me something that's not accurate, for example, how much money you have in the bank or how much stock you have, right, this formula in my program will change accordingly. So we show them the formula on screen. So in a way, COVID was really good for us because we were able to present it on, on screen. Right? So at first, the couples, right, they say, oh, you know, I have this amount of money in my bank. So the program moves on screen. So I tell them, okay, you know what? Your financial ratios are not so good. And then they start saying, okay, actually I have a bit more money. Can you put that information in? I want to see what happens. Right? So at first I tell them, okay, you know what? I know it's an experiment. Maybe this is the first time you've, you've dealt with me. Why not you just tell me whatever you want to tell me? See, I'm making no threat. You just tell me whatever you want to tell me. But later on, you know, in the conversation, as the customer experience like, gets better and better, right? They're more comfortable, right? So then they start to say, okay, you know what? Actually, I have a bit more money. Right? 
But of course, when I first designed the program, I knew that I, you know, when we do compliance fact finders, one of the first few pages is asking about their income. And it's a bit rude, actually, even for financial advisors to sit down with a prospective client and say, oh, so how much do you earn? Right. So I start to talk about expenditure first. And I link it to psychology. I say, success comes from habits. So the first part of our analysis is about your habits. Can you tell me what you pay for your utilities? So after we go through like a very extensive list of the things that they, they spend money in, right? Like we have a chart to tell them, oh, you know what? I think uh, you have too much installments. Oh, I think that it's good that you're spending this amount of money on this particular thing. I think it's healthy. But on the other side, it's not so healthy. Okay, so now that we've found out your habits, okay, let's make it more complete. Okay, so how much do you earn? Let's look at what is the ratio between how much you spend and how much you earn. Okay, then they're knee deep into this trying to say, okay, how much do I earn? So it's also a very gradual process, especially for people who are meeting me for the first time. I do like that you said that you do a lot of financial seminars. And actually, I was thinking of doing the same because I do parenting classes very sporadically now. But still, I could like inject a bit of financial knowledge into that. So maybe I can get some of Joseph's tips and I can just apply it to here when I do my classes next time. That's the end of this month's episode. If you'd like to subscribe, you can find us on SoundCloud and Spotify at MDRT Podcast. Thanks for listening and see you next time.